All right. On today's episode, on Off the Record, we have probably one of the most creative people we had a chance to meet to date. He's the founder and creative director at Word of Mouth, an experiential marketing agency called the Idea Generation Company, Soul Cult. He's also a pro speaker consultant specializing in stunt marketing, customer experience, and community building. He was one of the first international employees of Zipcar, helped launch the service in Canada, also worked at FreshBooks, did cool work for Rogex, Sierra.com, and other great companies that are not on this list, but we'll ask him about. So nice to nice to meet you and great to have you on Off the Record. Oh, thank you so much. This is exciting. So how did you start with all these marketing stunts, doing that for companies? What, what happened? Uh, so it, it's, it's an incredibly long story. The short version is, uh, you know, from about, I don't know, 1999 to 2005, 2008 or so. Uh, I ran a comic book publishing company that I owned and and started. I, I wrote books and and marketed them and pretty much, you know, did all the, the business side of it. And I was selling superhero comic books that, um, you know, were not as well known as Batman and Superman. And I was charging a dollar more than Batman and Superman uh, for my books. So I had to get hyper creative and, and really do crazy things to stand out. Uh, so people would one, even take a look at the books and, and two, you know, hopefully, give them a chance and buy them and, and, you know, keep my, my little business afloat. So I did all sorts of stuff that, you know, we did scavenger hunts through cities during, you know, major comic book conventions. We did, you know, private parties that, you know, we created the air of exclusivity when really anybody who, who showed any glimmer of, of excitement to come would, would get in. But, you know, we, we created a myth around, um, this little publishing company, and it was all uh, based on word of mouth. It was all based on stunts. It was all based on on sort of hype and and uh, and and all sorts of things. And you know, I I, I think one of the things that I, I've said this many times. One of the things that makes me the best word of mouth marketer in, in, in North America, if not the world, is I'm not classically trained. Uh, you know, I, I've read every book, I've read every marketing book, I've, you know, I've done all that stuff, I've had, you know, senior positions at, at major companies, and I always stand out and my ideas are always a little different because I'm not running them through the same filter as everybody else. And that doesn't mean they're always right. And it doesn't mean they're always the best idea, but I guarantee you my ideas are always gonna be different and different stands out. And that's, you know, something I'm very proud of and something I, I take a lot of effort to make sure that my stuff is, is stands out and isn't derivative. So, but it all started from, you know, basically survival of, of trying to get my first company uh, off the ground. and. You know, I, I was able to, to to publish comic books for ten years, and and I was able to sell the company. It wasn't wasn't you know like a tech company with ten times uh, you know multiples and things like that. But you know it it you know counts as an exit, and and uh, you know being able to do something fun for a decade is always uh, always a good thing. And you didn't have experience in marketing before. This was just something that out of necessity you had to figure out. I did have experience in marketing. I grew up in a family business, but it certainly wasn't at scale. Uh, so, the, you know, and, and 
everything that I'm known for now and everything that I preach and, and all my my structure and, and formulas and everything really came from that time in, in, you know, my comic book experience because nobody told me I couldn't do something and nobody told me that this was wrong. And, you know, not everything worked, of course, but more things worked than didn't because, you know, it was, it was sort of like sheer force and, and, you know, hyper creativity. What's your biggest PR stunt? Biggest PR stunt, you know, you I, I've done so many and, and you know, it, 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 it's funny. I, um, and, and I'm going to sound like a douchebag when I say this and I apologize ahead of time, but you know, I've forgotten half the stuff I've done. I think the one that is probably, you know, the most controversial and, and gotten, you know, sort of some, some attention was, um, you know, and, and, you know, I've worked for some of the most recognizable brands in the world, but I also worked with a lot of brands that nobody had heard of um, until I worked with them or a lot of brands that, you know, people wouldn't consider very sexy, but I, I I did a project with a a data research company to, um, you know, it it was all around the idea of bad ads and why you should be testing your content why you should be testing your ads because it's really hard to determine you know by eyesight what is going to click with people and what isn't so um we created a series of really you know like i they were they're beautifully you know conceptualized ads um, but they were for products that were supposed to spark anger in people or controversy so one of the products was a a company called thongs which were thongs for babies Uh, another product was a uh, uh, a car company that was just for women and it was you know like it was it was it was incendiary it was a pink car with like a makeup station inside of it and all sorts of things and and the most controversial was um a beer company called um, Amber Alert Lager. And the the image was an older man with a very young woman. The tagline was, um, you know, um, uh, uh, I think it was young, young, for those who don't want to wait or something like that. And um, really great ads. And we put them out there to, to get people to be angry. And then the payoff was, this is why you should be testing your ads. But the, um, you know, got a lot of attention in media, but uh, it got attention in media because people thought these were real brands. And the, <laughs> the funny thing was, you know, I look at these ads and I thought that we were really pushing the envelope and, and people were going to like riot in the streets, but um, cause we set up real websites, we set up everything and, and we had five or six calls for people who want to distribute the beer nationally. Um, the, the, the diaper company, we had, we had people inquiring if there were other colors available and all sorts of things. So it really showed that there is some, someone for every product and and you just have to sort of nail your personas and targeting pretty well and you can almost be successful with anything how did you sell that internally to the company like how did you that big big of a thing got buy-in uh so it 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 was a company I had a, a bit of a, a year-long relationship with we'd done some some less controversial projects um so you know it Selling what I do is hard all the time because, you know, and, and I've, I've told this story many times, but I worked with a, a um, you know, a, a major, 
you know, Fortune 500 recognizable brand. And and uh, I came up with what I thought was one of the better ideas I've ever had. And the, the VP of marketing said, I love this idea, but we'll never do it because like- Is it FreshBooks? No, it wasn't FreshBooks. Because <laughs> I, I thought you, I remember you had this idea with FreshBooks where you were trying to slim down one of their, was mascot? Oh, so the, the, they had an animated character as their mascot. And uh, the CEO said, well, we want to kill the mascot. So I, I pitched an idea where we literally kill the mascot. And in all the, the ads, he would get slimmer, thinner and thinner until um, he was in a chair and then, and then an IV and then basically fall over and die. And we would, you know, say, oh my God, our mascot died, you know, please make donations to this charity. And oh, by the way, now our new mascot is a squirrel. Uh, that, that, I, I still think that's hilarious. And I didn't get to do that, uh, but somebody should, cause it's, it's, I love that. I thought idea. it was amazing. I've but, never um, seen anybody doing that. Yeah. But this other idea, you know, I, I pitched it to a major company and, and the VP said, I love this idea. It's hilarious, but I'm not going to do it because, and he, he basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, I make about $350,000 a year. Um, jobs like this aren't everywhere. And I'm not going to put my neck on the line for something like this when things are fine. And, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm, you know, he basically said that it just wasn't worth it to him personally, never mind the company. And that's something I face all the time. So um, can you share that idea? Saul, what was what was the what was the idea about? Uh, no, I, I'd like to try to do this one day for somebody. So I'm going to keep it under my hand. But no, um, but, you know, it, it, I, I hear variations of that story all the time. Um, so, it, you know, it's 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 interesting because um, I'm really trying to get people to push the limits of their brands, uh, you know, controlled experiments. We're not reckless. We sort of, you know, we do a lot of research. We talk to clients. We sort of know what we can get away with. You know, one of the things I always preach is knowing where that line of good taste is and crossing it only by, you know, two baby steps. But, you know, if you're not crossing the line of good taste and good taste maybe isn't the right word, but you kind of get what I'm I'm talking about yes. if you don't cross that line you're not making memories you're not creating conversations you're not even creating outrage you know if you're not if people aren't you know if people aren't outraged if their feathers aren't ruffled you're not doing anything interesting and you're completely you know forgettable and forgettable is the worst thing a brand could be ever um you know unless you're coke or pepsi and you know you just have to you know, put out a, a plain billboard with your logo on it, you know, that that's one thing, but so few companies ever reach that, that plateau and especially younger companies and upstart companies, you've got to be, you know, creating just huge fans for your product. And the way you create fans is by, by creating an environment where people want to see themselves inside of your company. And I don't see a lot of companies do that because, you know, whether they know it's right or wrong, it takes a certain level of, of, you know, moxie. And, you know, and I always tell people, I'm your scapegoat. If it doesn't work, you fire me. You, you know, you're protected. You, you, you blame it on the, the crazy consultant who came in to shake things up. Um, and, you know, and, and 
you know, it's like I've, I've actually never been fired for a project sort of, you know, blowing up in my face. I've been fired for wearing out my welcome. I, I tend to tend to max out at 24 months with brands and, you know, and they tend to get tired of me and, and, and my energy and stuff like that. But, but man, you know, like, you, know, you can do some amazing things in 24 months. You can change a whole company. You can create, you know, something that people talk about and and live on well past I'm gone. And it, you know, it's um, there needs to be more brands willing to take chances because, you know, taking money from a VC is a risk. So why aren't you taking risks to actually like push your brand forward? And now is such an opportunity, you know, like we, we, we've all been inside for a year. We've all been sort of, you know, wondering when, when the world's going to return to normal, whether it does or doesn't, but man, people are the appetite for some experiences right now is so high and brands are still kind of like, you know, playing it safe and not really willing to do anything or, or the great brands are, are willing to do stuff, but those, 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 middle of the road kind of you know risk-taking brands are, are are being far too cautious and what's going to happen is their competitors and and other people in their space are going to pass them because like you know the I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday with a about a sexual wellness product like vibrators and condoms and stuff and you know, they predict that once everybody's got their second vaccination, there's going to be this crazy, you know, boom, like similar to the sexual revolution of the 70s. And they're be. gearing up, they're yep. gearing up big time because people are just, you know, like, unless you were in a relationship going into the pandemic, there's a lot of people who haven't touched another human in a while. And they, they, they think this is going to be the best thing, uh, you know, to happen to their business in a long time. There needs to be more brands that that are forward thinking and, and are, are looking at opportunities and, and trying to jump on them before they happen. Who's doing a great job right now out of the brands that you see? You know, the, the, there's, there's the companies that are always doing great jobs. Like Nike is one of my favorite brands in the world. You know, um, you know, it's you like Porsches. I know you like, you like a Porsche, what Porsche stands for, for a long time. Uh, Porsche is another one of my favorite brands. I, I think Porsche does an amazing job because, you know, Porsche is a really fascinating company. It's the only company I can think of that they're looking forward. They're creating electric vehicles. They're, they're trying to sell as many new cars as possible. But they also know, I read this stat a while ago, some, some crazy number, like 72% of all Porsches ever made are still on the road. So they really, you know, they, they really know they've got two audiences. They've got the people that are the classic lovers and the people that are the new lovers. And the classic lovers probably don't make them any money or very little money, but they, they spend just as much time and effort nurturing that audience because, you know, those people talk. They, they have friends, they show off their cars, they might buy a new one eventually, it's things. So it, it's such an interesting thing, but you know, you think of, you know, like a, I can't think of another brand that, you know, and maybe others do, I'm just not familiar with it, but 
they just open up their parking lots on Sunday mornings and say, everybody with a car, come and let's hang out and be friends. They're not trying to sell you anything. They're not trying to do anything. When I, when I look at, you know, brands like, like Nike, who do all these amazing collaborations, they did a, a Ben and Jerry shoe that actually came in a, in an ice cream, you know, tub shoe box and, and things like that. Those are really interesting things. When I when I think of, you know, the, there's an, a bunch of amazing smaller brands that that just do really interesting things. I think you know anybody, and I realize that you know the the last year and the pandemic and everything sort of put a halt on it. But anyone who really understands the power of in-person marketing and bringing communities together that's what creates longevity of your brand and that what that's what creates stickiness of your brand you know like uh, you know I, I buy gap jeans why do i buy gap jeans i couldn't tell you you know they fit me okay they're everywhere i know that every four hours there's going to be a 40 percent off sale so i could just you know go to the food court wait for that email and boom you know if, if they're not on sale now they'll be on sale at the end of my 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 drink and and sort of thing but i don't have any affinity towards that brand they're just a brand i wear because you know they serve a purpose but there's so many other brands that I have a real affinity to. And, you know, like I'm, I'm hyper loyal to, you know, it's like, um, and, and more brands need to be thinking about that hyper loyal because guess what? I could buy jeans anywhere. And if all, and if all of a sudden someone said, Oh, you should go check out Levi's or doing cool things. Maybe I buy a pair and the gap has lost me forever because I don't have a relationship with that brand. And maybe, commodity. maybe, it, pardon me. It's a commodity. Mm -hmm, exactly. Um, but man, I've got a, you know, I, 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 I buy this watermelon juice. Uh, it's a company called blue monkey and I, you know, it's, it's not cheap. It's delicious. It's like real, like it's just pressed watermelons and, and, you know, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe sugar, I don't know, who knows, but it, it you know, I buy it at a, at a, a health food store. So I assume it's good for me. Um, but, you know, it's like, I'm crazy loyal to this brand because, you know, I, and, and, and I'm a guy who actually, if I like something, I talk about it. And they saw me talking about it online, didn't offer me anything free, which I don't care about. I don't need people to pander to me, but just the fact that they acknowledged me and, and they, it wasn't a blanket acknowledgement where they're just like, thank you. They actually like look through some of my Instagram uh, feed and they're like, Hey, we saw you like this, this, and this, that's cool probably took them 30 seconds they probably hadn't thought about me since that moment but in that one moment of time they made me feel special so i already love the product i'm already you know paying for a premium product that i probably don't need um and they took 30 seconds just to acknowledge me so now i have a brand affinity for that product where you know, I was already telling people about it. I was already tweeting about it and, and sharing it because it's something I'm passionate about. And now they have loyalty on me. Not that I was going to sway, but they, you know, it, it, it literally like it takes so little to make somebody feel good. And, and, you know, you make somebody feel good. They start talking about your product more like, you know, 
I tend to oversimplify what I do. There's there's actually a lot of science behind it and there's a lot of process and, and things like that. But but man, it all really just comes down to validation and and you know making somebody feel good. You know, it's 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 you know when I started keynote speaking conferences like in I don't know, 2008, 2009, whenever it was, the first keynote I, I went out with was making love to your customers. And I did this 45 minute talk breaking down how, you know, building a customer relationship is, is exactly the same as dating. And I still feel that, you know, to this day, I've retired that talk because, you know, you got to come up with something new every, you know, seven, eight months to, to stay fresh and stuff like that. But I truly live by that, man. Like it's, it's just all about, you know, it's like, you know, nice shirt, nice hair. You look nice today. You know, how was your day? These are the things that push things. And, and it, the, the shame of it is that our, our customer expectation is so low and, and, you know, that, and brand expectation is so low that like literally just like a, an attaboy from somebody goes like I could ride for months off of that because it's just, you know, it's thing. And, and I've got, you know, I've got a reasonable following and all that stuff. So I can see how people would maybe spend time with me, but, you know, I, and, but, you know, I, I talk about this all the time when it comes to influencers and stuff like that. The person with 300 followers could be just as important as the person with 300,000 if those 300 are targeted to your product, you know, and that 300,000 person, they may, you know, it could be you, all you bots. And Saul, you talk about it in your speech where this, this is the biggest misconception with influencers you're mm -hmm. talking about right now, like, because, and, and let, let's, because people think influencers are hundred thousand million two million and this is what you need Instead, well that's the actually, lazy that's way not, of looking at yeah. at influencers just by numbers um because real influence is getting somebody to do something you know just tweeting and people not seeing it or not actioning on something isn't actual influence so you know people love celebrities and they love and i love all that stuff i eat all that pop culture and gossip and all that stuff up but a celebrity is never going to get me to buy a product because one i know they're being paid for it and and two i know that you know they probably don't really care for this stuff you know a great example is is dak shepherd you know who's got the um uh, armchair expert podcast um I like the podcast. I like Dax, you know, I don't know him personally, but you know, I like listening to his interview style, but man, it eats away at me when he reads these ads. One of their sponsors is this like farm fresh egg subscription company. And he, and he, he talks about it like, this is going to change the world and eggs are the greatest thing. And, and he can't get enough eggs. But if you listen to his interviews, when he's not reading the ad, he talks about being allergic to eggs and eggs are like the one thing he doesn't eat. So he's kind of bullshitting you in the ad read and telling you that, you know, he loves this thing. And then when he's off, you know, when he's speaking casually to a guest and the topic of food comes up, the first thing he always throws up is I hate eggs and, and stuff like that. So it, this is how you not a real, do that. Not, yeah, there's a real disconnect. Like yeah. So what what's what celebrities have is audience, not influence. They've got this 
big amplification, you know, device, but they don't really have influence because, you know, it's, you know, for real influence, you know, you need no like and trust. You need to know the person, you need to like the person, you need to trust them. So, you know, when it comes to Dak Shepard talking about eggs, certainly I don't trust him because he's completely said, I don't like eggs in, in one minute. And then 45 minutes later, when they, they play the pre-recorded ad, he's like, oh man, I'm rubbing eggs in my chest hair right now. Like it makes it sound like eggs are, are his life force. Um, so I don't trust him. I don't really know him except for a thing. And, uh, but I do like him. So, you know, there's, there's kind of one and a half out of the three. For real influence, you need all three. And that's why that person with 300 followers who, you know, maybe those people are all targeted. They love this person. They believe them. They're honest and so that they could actually push 300 or let's say they could push 150 people to a website where someone with 100,000 untargeted followers for your brand may send nobody to your website, may not start any conversation. So, you know, and, and, brands have audience just the same way celebrities do. So when you find those, those people with 300 followers or 3000 followers or 10,000 followers that are targeted for you, you know, they're the expert in some weird niche that, that is really great for your product or brand. You can make them the celebrity. You can amplify them on your platform. So you've got both platforms going where a lot of, uh, brands, you know, when they work with influencers, it's just, you stay over there, we're going to borrow your audience and, and, you know, never the two shall meet. When people know these influencers are getting paid, so why don't you just call it a partnership and share the content on both platforms? You're doing as much for that person as they are for you. And, and you know, like I, I, I'm a big, flan, big fan, proponent of influencer marketing, I just think 80% of it, the way it's done now is done incorrectly. It's because you're going for the big people or with large audiences that are not very well targeted and they will promote you for 24 hours and then they're gone. And mm -hmm. the conversion is going to be similar or less than smaller influencers or people with 500 followers, but with more targeted who will push you for a week instead of 24 hours. Not even a week. You find a super fan of your product, you know, someone like me and this watermelon juice, I'll talk about it for months and I have no expectation of getting paid. I don't like, you know, it's, that's not important to me. What's important to me is, you know, it's like, like, you know, show me a little validation, you know, give me, give me some shine. You know, you want to float me some free product. I'll take some free product. And I'm not asking these people to give me free product. I'm just using it as an excuse, but you know, most people know that celebrities are just in it for the money. And especially when you see, you know, after that 24 hour bump, they're onto the next product or they're onto a similar product or something like that. Like there, there has to be real, humanity in if the influencer stuff is going to work like for real. So that's why I always say you find your super fans and, and elevate their presence and, and double down on them. You know, you can mix in a celebrity here and there. Um, 
I think it's, you know, I think there's way better ways to spend your money, but if that's part of your brand or whatever, that's fine. But don't make that your whole plan because you're going to, you know, you're going to be sitting in a boardroom wondering where that hundred thousand dollars went and what the results were and stuff like that. So you're known for in-person events, PR stunts, mm -hmm. marketing stunts. Do you, have you seen so far anything that comes close or that is a reasonable alternative right now online? Everybody online, we don't really have a choice at the moment. It's changing. It is going to change later this year, 2022. But at the moment, uh, and, and last year, have you seen anything that was like, hey, this is really cool? Somebody cracked that online thing where you still can connect, you still can do something interesting from a marketing perspective online. Have you seen uh, anything so, like so, so first of all, just to, to back backtrack a little bit, I do tons of stuff online. My, my forte is I like to start something in the real world, push people online, and then pour gas on it online so it grows and, and expands. I, I don't like being the person online just screaming, look at me, look at me, look at me, although I do that with my personal brand. But for, for a, a company, I think it's really important to have your, your fans or, or a, a neutral person start the conversation, but you have to give them something if you want them to start the conversation. Then the brand can step in and, and, and sort of amplify it. Um, but who's doing things in, in real life? Um, you know, I, I think there, there was, some, you know, I did some really interesting things online, not to pat myself on the back, but, you know, we ran zoom hollywood squares with with companies we ran family feud uh, online it was a way of keeping their community alive and bringing a bunch of people in and and we developed all these questions re related to their industry their company all sorts of things which we, we kept the community going online but as far as people doing really interesting stuff Absolutely. There, there was a, you know, I saw some, some conferences that I thought transitioned to fully digital really well. I thought South by Southwest, which, which did a good job, which is kind of funny because if you're familiar with South by Southwest, sort of the draw of South by Southwest is the content that they put out is like the lowest thing on the list. It's all about the parties and it's all about, you know, the, the accidental conversations on the street corners and stuff like that. But I thought they, they kept their brand in their, their, their platform going pretty strong. Um, I've seen, you know, a bunch of people do some interesting stuff with AI and, and, you know, putting their, their products in all sorts of different places. Um, you know, as far as actual, um, you know, actual examples, I'm, I'm always looking forward. So I can't really like nothing's jumping out at me because nothing stood out immensely. Um, you know, I, I think that there was car companies that did some interesting stuff, building cars, test drives online. I actually saw a, um, I saw a car dealership in St. Louis who set up cars with like, you know, seven different uh, uh, cameras and you could test drive the car from your home where, you know, they, they basically put a camera in every inch of the car and walked you through all the features. And, and you, so you weren't driving it, but you kind of looked like you were in the passenger seat. Like there, there were some people who got really creative and, and that's what you have to do. So, you know, and, and I say this all the time, you know, I'm not the only person who has great ideas. I'm not going to pretend that you can't do this stuff without me. 
my mission, if I have one, is to get people to take chances. You know, the difference between me and somebody else, I've been in rooms, I've been in board me like boardrooms and 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 you know, whatever, where you know. I'm, I'm a big fan of best idea always wins. And my idea isn't, you know, that isn't always the best idea. I'd say I'm there 85 to 90% of the time because I, I have skills and I have, you know, ways of coming up with things. And I've, I've sort of mastered this, this quick, you know, brilliance uh, sort of uh, like skill set. But, you know, the, the least... Uh, the least paid employee can have a flash of brilliance and you should run with that idea. The difference between me and that least, you know, paid employee that's, that's brilliant that one time is I'm brilliant consistently. And I know how to, you know, know how to be creative and I know how to come up with these ideas and I know how to read situations and read customers and all these things. So it's that consistency and that, that always brilliant is, is what people are paying for. But again, I'm not the only person, if you don't want to work with me, you should be still trying to push the limits of what you're doing. You should be trying to break out of the traditional molds because, you know, like I said before, it's that two steps over the line. That's where those memories are made. That's where those conversations are made. And the companies who do it get remembered. The companies who don't do that stuff don't get remembered. So, you know, like um, there's a, uh, there's a hotel in, um, there's a hotel and I'm blanking where they are, Uh, but you know, all their room keys are student passes of celebrities. So you might have like George Clooney's high school, you know, uh, ID card. Real one. Real one. Yeah, they like you know they find them online and, and grab you know it's like all those like you know you'll never believe what celebrities look like as kids or whatever like they find that blog post and they make the the cards as these student IDs. So not only is it a, is it just something funny to look look at, but they found that these people were were keeping the cards in their wallet, which like these hotel keys cost pennies you know most people throw them out or don't give them back anyways so at least you know make it interesting so they hold in their wallet they show their friend you know they go to the you know they go to a restaurant they're carded for booze maybe they're going to show this george clooney thing it starts a conversation where did you get it oh i stayed at this really cool hotel um I don't know why they have these cards, but man, it's cool. Oh, cool. What's the name of that hotel? You know, write it down and maybe they go back and they check it online. Like, you know, that was not my idea. I think it's a brilliant idea. And these are the things that, that, that brands have to do. Every opportunity to start a conversation should be jumped on, you know, and, and like, I'm willing to take enormous risks because that's my personal brand. That's where I'm comfortable with. You know, companies hire me to to shoulder the risks for them. But, you know, one of the other things I'm very good at is it doesn't matter what my level of risk is. It actually doesn't even matter what the, the, the management's level of risk is. It all comes down to what are your customers willing, what's their appetite and what are they willing to do? And that's where you start when you're coming up with how far are we going to push the line? Because, you know, you've got to figure out where that line is for your customers, still cross it, but you gotta know where that line is or, or it's a non-starter. You could do something really dangerous or or thing. That's why I tell people they should work with either me or someone like me. Um, and you know, like, you, like I said- so, so how did you do the baseball cards at FreshBooks? 
FreshBooks, conservative company. They're like, they're, first mm -hmm. of all, they're in Canada. All can Canadians, mm -hmm. most Canadian companies are conservative. Then they're accounting software. It's the most boring thing ever. You were mm -hmm. there for a long time and you did the, the, you did the baseball cards. Mm -hmm. And how did you sell the idea first to the management? I don't even think I sold the idea. I think I just did it, you know, and, you know, at FreshBooks, I, I worked there for um, six years spread over about 11. You know, I, I did three, three, uh, three stops at FreshBooks. I would, you know, sort of do two years. They, I'd either get, I'd, I'd either get tired of them or they get tired of me. And, uh, you know, then somebody would ask me to come back and come back and, you know, it was sort of like a, you know, one of those, situations where you always keep going back to your ex. Um, but, you know, I, I had developed enough internal credibility that I'm not sure that we even, you know, sold that idea internally. We just did it. Um, so, you know, for people, if you're not familiar with it, South by Southwest, big, you know, technology music festival, we created a series of 21 baseball cards and we called them the internet all-stars. And, the people on the front of the card, there was kind of three celebrities. We had Chris Brogan, um, Tina Roth-Eisenberg, and Gary Vaynerchuk. This is before anyone even knew who Gary was. Um, and then the rest of the cards were um, customers and uh, customers of FreshBooks. They were internet all-stores. Uh, we knew they were going to be at South by Southwest. And of course, because I'm an egomaniac, one of the cards was of me. Um, and there was a, a, a checklist card. Uh, so we created these packs of, of baseball cards. There was three cards in every pack. Uh, no gum, because that was going to be too expensive. But you got three cards and a checklist. So you could see how many cards there were and thing. And um, we put these cards in every one of the um, opening packages when you got your badge. And we also just had thousands of them that we handed out to everybody whenever we saw them. So And the people... The, the reason that we, we did regular people, non-celebrities, customers on the card is, um, uh, well, it's twofold. One, uh, we wanted, we knew the people were going to be there. So we wanted to give, we gave each one of them a thousand cards, told them to use them as business cards because they would tell the, the story of FreshBooks way better than we would. Again, no like trust, you know, oh, how'd you get those cards? That's the greatest business card I've ever seen. That's really cool. Tell me about it. But on the back of it, so the front of the card was the photo, the name, it said Internet All-Stars and it had a small FreshBooks logo. The back of the card was all that person's contact information, what they were great at. You know, this person's a graphic designer this person's a web developer whatever whatever um and we did it and you know we created a bit of a stir running around because people wanted the whole set and people were starting the conversation we had 20 or 19 other people selling our product for us probably way more earnestly than we could sell the product because we we did something nice for them we gave them these cards we started conversations if you look online there's still photos on Flickr. i don't even know if Flickr's still live i, I think it is know. yeah yeah but the, there, there was you know 25 30 people that got the whole set there was hundreds of conversations of people asking to meet at this restaurant or this coffee shop so they could trade these cards. We created the, you know, we created demand that this was going to be something cool. This was worth your time. And again, it started hundreds, if not thousands of conversations about fresh books that wasn't product related. You know, one of the things I preach all the time, and this is something I, 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 
I kind of perfected at FreshBooks was, you know, you mentioned it's accounting, it's in a boring product. I actually don't think FreshBooks is that boring, but you know, it is accounting and, and it's something that is more of a pain point for people than a pleasure. Um, but, you know, if you were to have a conversation from A to Z about all the features of FreshBooks, one, it's a short conversation and two, it's really boring. So we almost never talked about the product. We created all these experiences around the brand that got other people to talk about their experiences with the product and they would sell the product for us at, you know, to their groups. You know, one of the things you asked, what are, what are some of, you know, the stunts you've done or biggest stunts, you know, like I said, I, I forget them because there are just mm -hmm. so many, but one of the things we did at FreshBooks was if you're familiar with Tupperware parties, you know, a person invites 20 of their friends over, they do demos of, of, uh, of Tupperware, they sell them and, and whatever. We created FreshBooks Tupperware parties where we got, you know, I don't remember the number now, but for the sake of, you know, um, this discussion, I'll make up a number of say a thousand people, thousand people had Tupperware parties in their house. And what that was, was we sent them a box of Tupperware and in it was, um, you know, some, some coupons for FreshBooks, some stickers, some t-shirts, all the materials they would need to host a FreshBooks demo in their house. And when they posted it online and we saw that they actually came through and hosted this little party, we sent them $20, uh, you know, PayPal or whatever, however we did it. And that was to cover the snacks and the food. So we paid them to do these events, but we made sure they did it first before we paid them and, and stuff like that. But a thousand people inviting 10 of their small business friends into their home to pitch this product. And then maybe they, you know, they watched the bachelor after or whatever shared some pie or pizza on us. Um, that's cool because we saw a real uptick in conversion on these things. So when you say, you know, you know, if you were to go in and pitch somebody say, I'm going to get a thousand people to, you know, be a silent sales force for you. Um, you know, that's, that's a really, you know, hard sell through. So luckily at FreshBooks, I had a pretty unique situation where I could just do stuff um, and, you know, sort of figured it out after if it worked or not. 90% of the time it works. So we're able to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But it's all about, you know, changing the, you know, the conversation, it's all about changing the way people look at your brand, creating affinity for your brand, creating, you know, a brand that people see themselves in They're they're emotionally connected to, because those brands are allowed to make mistakes every once in a while. Uh, if you don't have that relationship, it's like, you know, you're, you're, your product goes, you know, offline or doesn't deliver on promises, they just go to your competition. So word of mouth is as much about retention and loyalty as it is customer acquisition. It's, you know, it really is something that everybody should be focusing on and investing in, whether it's with me or, or, or not. But man, it's so interesting to see companies discount word of mouth and they think it just happens organically. It does happen organically, but at like 2% of what it could be. And, and, you know, people think, oh, you know, word of mouth is just that thing, but word of mouth is, is a discipline and, and it's, it's a decision and it's, you know, it's, it, 
really is a philosophy that companies should embrace a lot, a lot more than they do. So last question for you, what people need to start doing tomorrow for their personal brand that they're not thinking about, they're not doing at the moment. Um, so quickest answer is do cool stuff and tell people, you know, it's, uh, I'm fascinated by, you know, so you look at my LinkedIn and I'll admit it's kind of gross because I only talk about myself, but why wouldn't I? My goal with LinkedIn is to put myself in the best position as possible for projects or opportunities and stuff like that. So I do something, I have a little success, I get featured in a magazine or on a website, I'm gonna put it everywhere. You know, I, I think if you really wanna build an interesting personal brand, there's a lot of steps to it and there's a lot of different things you have to do. But the simplest thing is don't be humble, don't be shy. Because honestly, and it took me a long time to realize this, nobody cares. Nobody cares about you. Nobody cares about me. And I'm okay with that. It's not someone else's job to, to, to elevate my brand. It's my job. So any little success I have, any little opportunity, when this, when this hits, I'll be sharing this link for a week. You know, there's a lot of people who say, you know, oh, I did this one thing and they talk about it once. Well, I, I believe that anything good should be shared eight times. It may not be eight times in a row, but you got to share this stuff over and over and over because only a fraction of your followers see it at any one time. And if somebody sees it two times or three times, you know, whatever, you, hopefully there's enough other content that they'll, they'll allow you to fill your feed with, with thing. Nobody's reading your feed from top to bottom. They're seeing, you know, when it pops up in your thing. Oh, so yeah. So, and, and, you know, I'll share things 10, 12 times. I made a week later, go back and delete some of the old ones uh, just to clean up the feed a little bit, but man, do cool things. Tell everybody, you know, simplest, simplest piece of advice I could give you. If you want to talk for two more hours, I could talk to you about building your personal brand, but you know, where to start, do cool things, tell people. We'll have to do another part of that. But Sol, thank you so much. This was great chatting with you. Nice meeting you. And uh, for for the listeners, guys, another off the record episode with a great founder. And hope now you know more about word of mouth and how to do some of the cool stuff on marketing. For more questions, definitely reach out to Sol. We'll link Sol. We'll link your info below in the show notes. Uh, and obviously, we're gonna tag you and do all the um, self promotion. Thanks, guys, for watching. We'll see you in the next one. <laughs>